Welcome to another episode of The Get Back Coach, presented by Apollo Media. Today, we have a Pac-12 episode, a packed episode for the Pac-12. We'll be breaking down our predictions for every single Pac-12 team this upcoming season. But before we get into that, college football fans, we can rejoice right now because ESPN2 is giving us Pat McAfee and Peyton Manning for a broadcast kind of similar to the Manning cast and whatever Jimbo and his assistants did uh, for the national title, their own special cast for at least six games this year. Jay, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, Well, first thing I am a huge Pat McAfee guy. I've been a fan. My my roommate in college was the one that introduced me to him uh, sophomore year. Uh, one of my roommates was Shane Drapuka, who was a, a punter at Texas A&M. So obviously he knows the specialist guys and, uh, Pat McAfee was, uh, I mean, he's just one of the best characters in sports, uh, a larger than life personality. And, you know, he's, he's called games in the past. He's been on college game day. Obviously he works with uh, WWE now. Uh, so there, there's so many things that Pat kind of has a hand in, but, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, I think it's going to be Pat kind of playing the the comedy guy to Peyton's more straight-laced takes. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, Peyton is one of the greatest football minds from a, uh, from a uh, offensive perspective, and obviously with that playing the quarterback position comes diagnosing defenses. Uh, so, so seeing Peyton call those games should be just as fun. And, and I mean, the Manning cast that they did for Monday Night Football was a, was, was a blast. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing Pat and Peyton, who I think have pretty good chemistry, uh, call these college football games. Yeah, and you know it, it's and f- we are kind of moving towards this a little bit in sports. Um, I think especially in college sports of the have two guys there to just hang out and talk about the game, you know, very casual. Um, Peyton's done this before. You know, Peyton's an incredibly funny guy, but like you said, he's probably going to be more the straight lace guy to Pat's zaniness. Um, but I love it. I love the Manning cast. Um, you know, I do think there is something special about watching a night game, depending on who is, um, who's, who's your broad, who your broadcasters are. But I think it's also cool to kind of turn something on that's a, maybe a little bit more casual. Yeah, and it's like, I mean, I love watching the coach casts as well mm-hmm. just to kind of have different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And, like, I mean, there's sometimes where maybe there's a commentator that you don't personally like, and having that alternative option is, is a great deal. Great. Uh, I've joked around about doing a, a watch-along for spaces because uh, yeah. A&M fans love to complain about the commentators. Some of it's justified. Usually it's not. Uh, but... You know, it's it's just kind of nice to have those different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I know people that turn on the TV and watch the game and listen to the radio commentators instead yeah. of the, the TV broadcasters. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. So it's it's just there's never anything wrong with having more options and who the commentators are for a game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the only thing that this is the only negative, the only negative is if someone else is playing on Saturday night and we get the, this, the Pat McAfee Peyton cast instead of, 
I don't know, a maybe an ACC opponent or like a Mace ACC. But the thing is, ACC has their own network to do that. So I think when all these conferences have their own, so like if, you know, the Big Ten has a night game that's like, for example, Penn State, Indiana played last year for a night game. That wasn't on ESPN. That was on Big Ten Network. So I think as long as you have these other conferences that have their networks, I think ESPN is trying to give someone like give the fans a little bit more to kind of keep them on the hook. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, for me personally, as a college football fan, like I'd love to have more variety of games. Mm-hmm. And I think this broadcast would be something that maybe you put on ESPN plus. Yeah. Uh, just, uh, I mean, first of all, I think that the, the televised game, there should be more variety in games on ESPN. Mm, yeah. Uh, but I mean, good luck convincing ESPN to do that. Right. Yeah. No. Oh, yeah. Um, I will say like, I did enjoy parts of the Jimbo podcast or sorry, no, Jimbo, uh, the Jimbo cast with, um, for the national title, just because, for all of the armchair quarterbacks, and I understand a lot of the things, Jimbo, every coach is open to critiques. But for the people like, oh, Jimbo doesn't know what he's talking about, blah, blah, blah. And then him talk about a single play, and it is like another language to people. Like, I had a friend, he's like, dude, what is he talking about? And I'm like, you, yeah. I said, that's that's how meeting rooms are. <laughs> like, that's, like, that's how it is. Uh it's like, you know, yeah, you see the guard just was able to out leverage the three technique, and people are like, what, what? I don't, what is that? What is he talking about? And it's like, yeah, yeah, bud. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what real, like, that's what real football is. But, um, and before we move on, Pat McAfee probably lives the most stupid life possible. In, and like, he's, the best he will way. be the first one to tell you that as well. He lives an incredibly stupid life. And like, I remember, I don't know if you, I remember, when he retired early and even I was like, man, that is sound, like, he's going to do, he's going to do a podcast. You know, he's going to go to Barstool and, and do something with them. Like, like he, he's turning down millions and dollars. Like, what is he doing? Like, that's not sustainable and becomes this internet personality, podcast personality, and now has become bigger than he ever would have done. And he's now in wrestling, like, he lives the most stupid life ever. Even for someone who lived a dream and was an NFL player has now lived another dream. It's absolutely incredible. I mean, he's played a minor league baseball game. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's done so many incredible things. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the matches he's put on in WWE have been good too. So not oh just as a commentator, like it, exactly. he's getting, you know, recognized by people within the industry. Obviously like there's, grading on a curve when you're not a full-time yeah. competitor but uh yeah i mean all credit to pat mcafee for doing something everybody thought he was crazy yeah. for doing and then yeah. just absolutely running with it like i see clips like i don't watch smackdown or anything but like i see clips of like him commentating and then him like in matches and i'm like this guy he gets it and i think that's the thing he gets it he has a great work ethic um but yeah pat mcafee Living the dream. Uh, very excited to see him and Peyton in their um, in their cast later on. All right. The meat and potatoes of this episode. Pac-12 breakdown. Uh, we're going to go in alphabetical order. We're going to do it like we did last week with the Big Ten. Um, Jay, do you want to start us off with Arizona? 
Right. Uh, so we'll start off, like you mentioned, the same thing we did last week. Uh, we'll kind of do like a tiered system with the teams, whether the team is going to be the lowest tier, which is not making a bowl. Uh, we'll go up from there to bowl eligible, bowl eligible to New Year's Six, New Year's Six to playoff, playoff to national title contender. I don't know if it's a spoiler alert or not, but I don't think we're going to have any uh, national title contenders in the Pac-12. Uh, I don't know <laughs> if you're expecting us to, but if you were, uh, I, and I'm Jake, I'm sorry if I'm speaking for you, don't think we're going to be using that tier today. Uh, no. No contenders. I think there might be a dark horse for the playoff, but that's about it. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll we'll get there, but well, we, we we'll start we'll start with the Arizona Wildcats, and I mean, man, you want to talk about a tough schedule? <laughs> Not <laughs> the easy. First, the first three games, you you take on San Diego State at San Diego State, mm-hmm. uh, which is a choice. Uh, San Diego State has been one of the uh, better Mountain West teams in uh, the recent past. You know, it, it's a team that will be likely one of the favorites to make it back to the Mountain West title game. And, I mean, it's it's a hard-nosed rushing team. I I don't know if they win that game. Uh, you have Mississippi State coming to town the second week of the season. That's going to be premium packed after dark action. I actually have that one circled as my Sickos game of the week for that week. You have an 11 p.m. Eastern kickoff. In Tucson, so I'll be home. We'll see. I'll be back we'll in Morgantown s- before that one takes yeah. off. <laughs> exactly. And then your your third game of the season is perennial FCS powerhouse and serial uh, serial FBS upsetter North Dakota State. So you have three games there to start the season that I do not know if Arizona gets a win. No, is going to be favored in that North Dakota State game? You think? I, I don't know if they will. Obviously, with a with a new coach coming in, uh, last be. year was a rebuilding year. It won't be much if they are. Yeah, and so uh, Mississippi State, I don't think they'll be favorite, and San Diego State, I need to check the line, but I don't know if they'll be favored in that game either. Uh, so, looking at their schedule, I see one likely win on the schedule, and that's still kind of a maybe. It's Colorado. Yeah. Uh, I don't see Arizona as a bowl team this year, partially because I, I don't think they're going to be very good and partially because I think they're really hurt themselves with their out-of-conference schedule. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how the Wildcats end up, but uh, I do not have them as a bowl team. Yeah, me Yeah, me neither. So right now, I believe San Diego State is a five-and-a-half-point favorite over Arizona. Um, yeah, they, they didn't do, do themselves any favors with their out-of-conference schedule. Again, North Dakota State, an FCS team, uh, Div- uh, old Division I AA for the older listeners. Um, North Dakota State is a damn good football team. Um, that, that's going to be tough. San Diego State is going to try to run the ball down their throat. Um, and Mississippi State has a nice passing attack with uh, Will Rogers. So, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. I, I see – I see them beating Colorado. Um, listen, you're going to see a lot of freshmen and sophomores playing here. Um, this is going to be a young team, which I think Arizona fans can at least hang their hat on. Hey, a lot of young guys are going to play. This is a good year to grow. Um, 
So they have a good majority of their guys back on defense. Uh, Kyron Bars is at the nose. Uh, that's a guy I think to kind of watch for, for an, an all pack 12 uh, type of player. Um, listen, they need to stop with just mental lapses in their secondary. Um, I just feel like this is a team that looks like they're okay. They're okay. They're okay. And then up oh, miscommunication, uh, you know, big time bomb. So, uh, Wildcats aren't making a bowl, but there is some room for optimism for next year. I don't see them winning more than four games this year. I really don't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're they're gonna they're growing though. So I think that's at least the silver lining. They, they're gonna take steps forward, and I think towards the end of the year, they might have. And we're gonna talk about Arizona State here. The that Arizona has a shot to upset Arizona State because. Arizona State's kind of an enigma right now, which leads us into perfect segue. The sun, the sun devils. Yep. Uh, so Arizona State doesn't have it nearly as bad as Arizona in their out of conference schedule. Uh, you get Oklahoma State on the road at Oklahoma State. That's probably a loss. But your other two out of conference games are Northern Arizona and Eastern Michigan. I see both of those being wins mm-hmm. for the Sun Devils. Uh, I mean. You mentioned Arizona possibly upsetting Arizona State at the end of the season, but it's. I look at this Arizona State program and everything that's gone on and all the turmoil within the program. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's you know rumors of sanctions. Is Herm Edwards going to work out? Is he not? Uh, there's a lot of variables there, but I think uh, looking at this, you know, I, I really don't know that I see Arizona State as a bull program either. Uh, I, I mean, I think the one game on their schedule that looks extremely winnable in the conference is going to be Colorado, mm-hmm. uh, but that's at Colorado at elevation is always a challenge. And then Arizona being the other team that I think they beat, uh, rivalry game on the road. So there, mm-hmm. there's some variables there that still make me a little bit wary, but, uh, Right now, I see this as about a, a four-win team. They might be able to sneak a couple more in there. Okay, I'm going to give them a little bit more credit. Okay, a little bit more. So, I have no idea what's going on in Tempe. I no clue. Like, let, let's kind of rewind here. When Herm was hired, listen, and I'm a Herm fan. Or I, at least I kind of was. I kind of lost some respect. For anyway, I was like, oh, Herm got a job? All right, that's cool. But why? Like, why did he? And then he had the Sun Devil, the, the Devil Digest. <laughs> we don't want no devils in the house. We don't want yeah. no devils in the locker room. Like, so I was like, okay, this is odd. This is well, going to be a disaster. It, it was. It was so weird seeing him going back to the college game, right. having been in the, mm-hmm. the NFL for so long. Mm-hmm. And like, I think we all assumed that this hire was going to just be a miserable failure. Right. Arizona State wouldn't even be able to win games. But then, like. They had, what, like two seven-win years and two eight-win years? And for Arizona State, that's solid. That's 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 par for the course. So we were kind of like, and they've won some big games too. I think they had, they had that big win over, was it Oregon? Oregon with uh, Justin Herbert. Win. Yeah, and Ayuk. I, that's like, that was like Ayuk's kind of coming out party. Um, and I'm like, okay, this is going to work. And then outside the field issues started coming. They were, they had to fire a coach because he was hosting players during dead periods, during COVID dead periods. Um, You have, 
you know, anonymous coaches in the conference saying that Arizona State was the worst organized team they've ever seen in football. You have a ton of guys leaving for the transfer portal. And, you know, now Edwards, Herm Edwards got some guys, but still, like, I don't know. Like, there, there is just so much going on off the field. But if you look at this team, okay, they get a really good linebacker from Mississippi State, okay? They get a good running back from Wyoming. Uh, the defense should still be good. And again, this is one of this was the best scoring defense in the Pac-12 last year. Okay? I think this is a bowl team. I think Arizona at the end of the year is 100% a trap game. I think they get to 6 wins. I think with either Washington State or Oregon State, and I think they might get upset by Arizona by the at the end of the year just because, hey, we got our six wins, we're going bowling, and Arizona's kind of still chomping at the bit, a bunch of young guys that are hungry. Um, listen, if they tank it, I don't think there's any way Herm lo- – I don't, I don't think Herm keeps his job because I just think there's just too many distractions off the field. Um, and, it, again, it's all off the field stuff. It's not his coaching. I think his coaching on the field has been decent. I mean – like I said, it's par for the course, two seven-win years, two eight-win years. But he's just – I think there's just too much going on outside. If they miss a bowl this year, I think they're going to fire him, and I think they're just going to say, hey, let's try – we have enough guys here. Let's try and build something. The other thing I'll say is that of the two Arizona programs long-term, I like the trajectory of Arizona a lot more right now than I do Arizona State. Yeah, I do too. Again, lots of young guys playing, I think – yeah, things kind of suck right now, but again, there's a lot more silver linings. Where Arizona State, I just feel like they're kind of hanging on for dear life because there is so much smoke that is surrounding that program. And they say if there is smoke, there's probably fire. So we will have to see. Uh, so, Jay, uh, let's go to Cal, man. Let's go to Berkeley. Yep, let's go up to Berkeley. Uh, looking at their non-conference schedule. Uh, you get a UC Davis Aggies team who pulled off a, a pretty big uh, FBS upset, knocking off uh, a Tulsa team that was, you know, uh, the okay. year prior yeah. playing in the American Conference Championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you have a UNLV team who I think should be an easy win for Cal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then obviously Notre Dame at Notre Dame. That's You're looking at a loss there. So you, you're coming out of the uh, – the non-conference schedule, probably with two wins. I, I don't see UC Davis recreating the magic from that Tulsa win. Uh, you, you go to or you host Arizona, uh, your first conference game. I, again, I think Arizona is one of those teams that's going to get better as the season goes on because of the youth. Uh, Cal should be all right there. But I just – there's not a lot to me that inspires confidence in this Cal program. Uh, they're they're going to play tough. They're going to be scrappy. They're going to play good defense. But, you know, I, I think the Pac-12 North is actually the stronger top to bottom of the divisions mm-hmm. right now. Uh, and unfortunately for Cal, you know, it, it, it makes it a little bit tougher to to win games there. And you get USC at USC. You get UCLA. The, the one good thing for them is they get Colorado. But, again, Colorado on the road gets tricky it with altitude. Yeah. So I I have this team 
floating around bowl eligibility. I just don't mm-hmm. know if they get there. Um, same. I see five or I think six wins. I'd be a little surprised with six wins. Um, listen, you have s- seven starters back from a team who had a losing record last year. Not promising. Um, now, they do have Purdue transfer Jack Plummer. Uh, should help the offense at least offensively. I think defensively this squad is okay. Um, uh, Jackson Sermon uh, at linebacker transfer from Washington and also Daniel Scott at safety I think are their two two uh, key players. Um, I see this team as seven wins. I like UC Davis, UNLV. I think Arizona because they play Arizona early. So because they play them early, I think they'll get the jump on them. So right there, that's three wins out the gate. Colorado at Colorado, I think it's going to be tough because it's at Folsom. But again, that gives them four wins. And then you're looking at maybe Stanford. Okay. So unless they upset somebody, um, but no, I'm thinking four. I think I think five wins. I think this team will go five and seven. I think their defense is going to be the reason why. Yeah, and I, I like Justin Wilcox as a coach. I just – I really don't have any faith that the the higher-ups at that program particularly care about athletics. They don't. I think that's uh, what a lot of the issues with Cal is, mm-hmm. is just uh, a general apathy around the program. I mean, obviously the guys within the program, the coaching staff care, but mm-hmm. uh, within, the, within the system, I just – it's hard to win if you don't have the the money backing it. Do you think it might stem from because remember in the early two thousands, Cal was good. Yeah, Cal was. I mean, you decent. had the the Marshawn Lynch years uh, and for uh, and for set. Yep. And I don't know. Maybe again, maybe that was one of those things where they maybe threw too much into the program, and maybe some you know. Again, I, I've seen it, you know, Miami's kind of like this or was like this where, you know, they kind of got a bad rap and they're like, okay, we can't invest this much in the athletics. I don't know. But Colorado just – or sorry, uh, Cal just hasn't been the same for years. They're just kind of there. Yeah, and it, it's – you know, and it's crazy because one of the most memorable moments in sports involves Cal football – Obviously, with the yeah. band running on the field, Stanford. Yep. I mean, that that is just a massive moment in college football. But things have changed so much. Oh yeah. I mean, it's just. Uh, I again, I like Justin Wilcox, but I, I just don't know. It's gonna be tough. I don't know how much he can do with that program. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. Um, Colorado, Jay. What do you what do you think about the Buffs? I think if there was a team that was going to go winless in the Pac-12. In 2022, it would be Colorado. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, there's been such a fall off. There's been a lot of people leaving the program. You look at the non-conference schedule, and it, it's it's a tough non-conference schedule. I mean, you have TCU coming to town. Obviously, there's a new coaching staff there with, with Sonny Dykes coming in. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I just... I still think TCU is probably going to be a better team. You go on the road at Air Force. Uh, you know, it's you're playing option football, and honestly, I think Air Force is a better team right now. Air Force, uh, is, yo, Air Force is good. Air Force is going to be good. Air Force is going to be good this year. And then you go visit uh, Minnesota on the road, and mm-hmm. you know that's that's just another thing. And 
I just, I again, I don't know if this team wins a game. Uh, yeah. The one thing I'll say is there's always the the altitude factor that I love to bring up when teams visit. Uh, but again, it's just there's there's not a lot behind this program right now. Obviously, they gave A and M a bit of fight last year uh, when A and M visited, but other than that, there really wasn't too much too much excitement around the program. I mean, to be fair, and and I'll say this, you know, uh, you know, you being an A and M guy. You know, um, they they lost. That's where they lost Haynes King, right? At, at Colorado again, yeah. And that's tough. That whenever you lose your your starting quarterback, it's always tough. Those second, you take second team reps, okay, to like get prepared. But you know, those second team reps aren't the same as you know the first stringer. So it's it was a little bit of a of a shock, I think. That Haynes King gets hurt and then Calzada gets thrown in there. Yeah, and you you look at the four wins last year for Colorado. I mean, Northern Colorado, obviously that's a FCS program. Mm-hmm. You have Arizona, who they blew out at home, thirty four nothing. But again, that was a very bad Arizona team last year. Yeah. Uh, Oregon State is the outlier here for me, uh, just because I mean, Oregon State was actually a pretty pretty solid squad in twenty twenty one. Yep. Uh, and it was a double overtime game, but again, at home, uh, which plays a factor. And then they also managed to, to knock off Washington at home. But that was a Washington team that was reeling from, from all the Jimmy Lake issues. Yeah, d- that Washington team was a, just a shell of itself. Um, so what so, you're saying, yeah, so I'm easy, saying, no ball. I'm saying no, no wins. No, I'm yeah, going so, on record you, and saying no wins. They'll beat... Hang on a second here. Oh, <laughs> they may, like I said, they may get somebody at home just because of all the issues of elevation. If I had to pick somebody in the Pac-12 that they beat, it's Arizona State. Do they play Stanford? No, they, they do don't. not get Stanford. Oh my! Yeah, the teams they get from the north are Oregon State at Oregon State, who's going to be looking for revenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get Cal at home, and Cal's not very good, but I, I think it's a similar. I, I just think they're still yeah. better than Colorado. I yeah. I think this is the worst team in the Pac-12. Um, they might beat Arizona. Um, they might beat Cal. Because, you know, they have Cal at home. But again, those are two weaker teams this year. Arizona has a bunch of young guys. Cal loses a lot on offense. I don't know. I just you lose your running back to Michigan State. You have uh, Sam Houston transfer, who was apparently supposed to be very good. Okay, he was like one of the best running backs in the Power Five last last year, but still, or sorry, in, in the FCS. But you're you're playing Power Five football right now. Yeah, you know. Um, so I don't know. Uh, quarterback controversy. You got, you know, you don't know who the again. If you have two quarterbacks, you, don't you have, have no quarterbacks. You, you have no <laughs> first string quarterback. You know. Um, so I think their best weapons a tight end, Brady Russell. Um, Defense wasn't terrible last year, uh, but the, the offense is bad. Like, this offense is bad. It's a bad offense. So this is where I come in with my hot take and say that, depending on conference realignment, and that's a, a big circle, I think Colorado State may become the best program in the state going forward because I, I legitimately think Colorado is not quite to Cal levels of apathy, but there's not a lot of – care around the program right now 
And that's a shame because Colorado should be a 7-8 win football team every year. At least. I mean, that's what, you look, that's what Colorado is. You look at the 90s and, you know, yeah. there was a national championship program. Mm-hmm. Uh, but And I disagree with you with Colorado State. It's Air Force. Col- Colorado State is the, – the problem is, like, Air Force will always be a service academy though, right? Yeah. Uh, so there's a hard ceiling on what that program can accomplish. True. If, if Colorado State gets some, some roles to fall their way with conference realignment, mm-hmm. maybe finds a way into the Big 12, mm-hmm. uh, I think – I mean, look at Colorado State just grabbing some like a, a fellow a coach within conference from Nevada. Mm-hmm. They're clearly willing to to make some changes around that program. And it wasn't so yeah. long ago that uh, God, uh, McElwain had that program at Colorado State. Oh, that's right. Uh, yes. I mean, you had a a, a Bolitnikoff finalist in mm-hmm. uh, Rashad Higgins, who's mm-hmm. he was with the Browns. I'm not sure where he's at now. Yeah, but. Uh, Anyways, we're getting off uh, off course no, with Mountain West talk. <laughs> I I feel worse for Colorado than I do for Cal. Absolutely. Because I think Colorado should like when I close my eyes, I think of Colorado as a 7-8 win football team. Cal, I see Cal as more of a hey, we're just going to get to a bowl. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, I was listening to uh Dan Carlin from Hardcore History was on the shutdown full cast kind of waxing poetic about uh, his days at Colorado uh, whenever he was a student. And, you know, he talked about when Colorado kind of beat Nebraska in the early 2000s, and neither one of those programs have been the same since. Yeah, wait, (laughs) that was on on Black Friday, Yeah, I want to say. I remember watching that. Yeah. And I think, hang on, I don't know if I'm right. I have to, I'll have to look it up after. I believe a Nebraska player punched punched a, a Colorado fan or something like that after the game. I think there was some sort of altercation between a, a Nebraska player and someone from Colorado. I'll have to look it up. And Nebraska at least made it back to a Big 12 championship, but neither one of those programs has no. been the same. Absolutely not. That was Nebraska was on a weird. That was a weird. Like we look at Nebraska now as hey the the like kind of like a I don't want to say Boy Scouts, but they they look a lot nicer, quote unquote nicer. Whereas those early two thousand Nebraska teams were still living in nineteen ninety four and nineteen ninety five, and they were still some. There were some bad boys on that team. Oh yeah. Okay. There were some. Bad guys on that team. The black shirt um, defense mentality. Yeah, exactly. Um, it was a different culture. Again, they they won more. They were they were assholes, but they definitely won more. So <laughs> I thought it might be the trade off. Um, so I think this next one's going to be a little bit more positive. We've had a lot of negative so far, but uh, Oregon. Yeah. So uh, you're looking for a program that cares about football and the. In the Pac-12, look no further than Oregon. Mm -hmm. Uh, The problem is that first game of the season for Oregon is not a fun one. (laughs) You get the defending national champs in Georgia uh, at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, which, again, get rid of neutral site games. Bad neutral site games. Even though this isn't really a neutral site because it's Georgia in Georgia, uh, get, get rid of the NFL stadiums. Play that game between the hedges. Uh, you have Eastern Washington after that, who tends to be one of the better FCS programs. I don't think Oregon has a problem there, though. Uh, BYU, 
that could be a very, very interesting contest. Uh, I mean, we said it last year, jokingly, BYU was kind of like the unofficial Pac-12 champion with uh, the wins they had in the conference. Uh, You know, it's – you look at this team, obviously they've lost another coach to another Florida school with Mario Cristobal heading down to Miami. Uh, but I think they got a, a great hire in Dan Lanning, and I, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what this program does. Uh, they're my definitely my pick for the Pac-12 North title. Uh, I just think they still have the most talent there. Uh, obviously, a first-year head coach makes it a little interesting, and I'm sure we'll get into some of the other contenders in the Pac-12 North, but I see this as a as a high bowl to possibly a new year's six bowl team, uh, especially if they, uh, if they end up winning the conference, obviously that's an automatic breath to new year's six. So that that's kind of where I see this Oregon team going. So here's, here's the thing. Uh, Dan Lanning um, inherits a great situation. Now, he's going to have his work cut out for him. You know, whenever you take over a program, you have to install your system. You have to do all these things to to kind of reestablish a culture. But the thing is, Oregon's pretty good right now. You know, the, the, there's no there's no fire to put out. It's it's a nice, it's a good situation. And I think this team is going to be hungry after Cristobal left. I think you're going to see an Oregon Duck team that is going to be inspired and is going to go out there every single day and fight because their coach left them for what he felt as a better opportunity. Now, I understand he has his ties to Miami, okay? Like, I understand that. And I think some of those players do too, but I think they want to go out and show, hey, listen, yeah, Coach Cristobal left us, but we're going to keep going on and we're going to, we're going to play, you know, hard – how about this? How about this for a description of Oregon? Hard, tough Oregon football. I'm telling you, this this Oregon team is going to have a chip on their shoulder. Now, uh, they do have some skill players. Uh, Bo Nix is back uh, in the forefront of college football for his sixth year. Um, they lose Thibodeau, who was uh, one of the best pass rushers in all of college football last year. But this defense is still solid. They still got guys back. Uh, Noah Sewell is going to be the leader at linebacker. I think this is a team that can contend for the New Year's Six, like you said, Jay. If not, they still get a pretty good bowl game. Okay, so just looking through, just looking through the schedule, I don't think they beat Georgia. Okay, I don't, and I think that's going to take some wins out of their sails. But Eastern Washington, who's who's a good FCS team, I don't think they have a problem there. BYU is going to be tough, but they have them at home. And here's the other thing, Jay. All their tough games, UCLA, home. Utah, home. And they're going to be wanting that Utah win bad. Oh, yeah. Washington's Washington. We'll get to them later. Home. UCLA, home. So my whole thing is they don't have to play USC. And... They have all their tougher opponents at home. The only one that's tricky is the Civil War against Oregon State. I, I do think on the road at Pullman could be a little bit tricky early in the season, but we'll see. No, that that is true too. But my my point is all your tough matchups, you got you got them at home. BYU, UCLA, Utah. You got them all at home, which I think is, is a major help. But no, I think Oregon 
I think at I think this is a nine win football team at least. I think they can get ten wins and get to the New Year's six though. Yep. And Oregon State. Let's dive into Beavers. it. All right. I know you've got Beaver fever. I do. Shout out the the recent home field drop for kind of spurring that on even more. Let's talk about Oregon State. How about this program last year going undefeated at home? Mm-hmm. And they also went on the road and knocked off USC, which kind of began the spiral for that uh, that yeah, Trojans program. But you have, you know, you, you beat Washington at home. You beat Utah. You beat Utah at home. Massive win for that program. Stanford, Arizona State, obviously they struggled on the road. But, I mean, they played everybody tough, even their losses. I mean, you, you didn't see this team get blown out. Uh the only loss that I look at on that on that schedule that is kind of mind blowing, you have two back to back in Cal at Cal and at Colorado. So you have to wonder about this team on the road. With that being said, look at their schedule. Boise State, great test, first game of the year uh, for the Beavers. I think we'll find out a lot about this program. But then you go at Fresno State who historically is a fantastic uh, group of five program. Mm-hmm. And then you get a very tough Montana State team uh, who was deep into the FCS playoffs last year. I don't see them having trouble there. Uh, I, I am questioning the fact that that game is being played in Portland at Providence Park, but that's another story. Uh, then you look at uh, USC. Uh, you get USC at home after beating them last year. I don't think that's a win. I think Lincoln Riley's going to have that squad hungry. Plus, you look at the fact that they got upset last year. I just think USC is going to out-talent them. Mm-hmm. Uh, at Utah, again, this is another revenge game. So, really unfortunate for the Beavers that they get two of the toughest Pac-12 South, the top two Pac-12 South teams, let's just call it how it is, mm-hmm. back-to-back. Uh, the good news is their third Pac-12 South team that they get is at Arizona State late in the season. I think they are going to be right on the cusp of bowl eligibility. I have them being good enough to win uh, win seven games. Uh, but it, it is a tough schedule for the Beavers, which makes me a little bit less uh, a less bullish on their chances than I would be normally, especially coming oh. after what was a great year for them last year. Wow. So I'm a little – I think I'm a little more optimistic than you are. Wow. Okay. Um Listen, Chance Nolan is going to be a player that I think you guys are going to be hearing a lot more of this year. I know he got – he kind of – people started kind of talking about him a little bit, but I think this year I think a lot more people are going to be noticing Chance Nolan at the helm there. Um, listen, Beavers are going to be grounded pound. Uh, defensively, I think they need to improve a little bit on the pass end, uh, but they do have some experience there. I, I think this is a bold team. I want to say – they're a, a second tier bowl team, okay? Um, maybe like a holiday bowl or something like that. But the thing is, Boise and Fresno State is tough to open the year, okay? Those are two good football teams. Um, I think Montana State's a win again, and then you have USC and Utah back to back, which is going to be tough. But I think they beat Stanford. I think they beat Washington State, Colorado, Cal, and then. Again, I know we're going to talk about Washington. I'm not high on Washington. I think Oregon State's a better team than Washington. But, no, I think this is a bowl team. 
and I want to say they're a second tier bowl, like like a like seven wins. I don't think they get to eight wins, but a decent a decent bowl, a bowl you can kind of hang your hat on by the end of the year. Um, ah, oh, the trees. <laughs> Stanford. Stanford Cardinal. Ah, uh, wow. Uh, so this is just not a not a good team, in my opinion. Uh, Stanford. You know, Stanford was so, so strong uh, in the Harbaugh years and in the early uh, years of David Shaw, but they just seem to have lost the the magic of the program. Uh, Obviously, Colgate to start the season is a win, but you look past that and I, I just don't see much going their way. Last year, Stanford's three wins were... A huge upset of USC, who I don't see them getting past this year. Nope. At Vanderbilt, who is not on the schedule and who was one of the worst teams in FBS football last year. And then a huge upset of Oregon, which really didn't make any sense at the time and, and still doesn't going back in my mind. But after that, I mean, the wheels kind of fell off. And I, I just I don't see where Stanford improves. Uh, I mean, they got blown out by Cal last year at home which really didn't make any sense to me at all. Uh, and, I mean, you, you look down their schedule, you get another non-conference game at Notre Dame. That's a loss. And then you get BYU coming into town. And I, I don't see him being BYU no, either. me neither. BYU's better. So I, you look in conference play, and I think Arizona State is somebody that they can compete with. And I think at Cal is maybe a game that's winnable, but I, I don't see this being a bowl team. Yeah, Dave, David Shaw, man. He Listen, David Shaw made Stanford a very respectable program. Okay? Stanford used to be good. Stanford used to load up the box on offense, just double tight, and just run it down your throat. They had an identity. Even if they were going to lose, they had an identity. And that, I just don't know what this team's identity is. Um, they, they have a very hard very hard crossover games here. Uh, you have UCLA, USC, and Utah, and then you have BYU and Notre Dame. Yeah, and UCLA, USC, and Utah are obviously far and away the top three teams, I think, in the Pac-12 South. Yeah. I mean, they are. And, again, you have – and then you have to play BYU and Notre Dame. Like – not doing them any favors there. It's just really tough schedule. Uh, listen, I don't, I don't mind their quarterback. I like Tanner McKee. Um, the good news for Tanner McKee is he gets his entire offensive line back, so at least he'll be able to be protected. Um, the defense, though, is going to be a weakness. But the good, the 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 good thing and the silver lining with them losing a lot on defense is they're changing schemes. They're going to go from a three man. Now they're going to have a four man front. And I think this is a good year to do it. You're basically saying, listen, we have a lot of turnover on defense anyway. If we're going to change the front or we're going to change the scheme, you might as well do it now. Um, Again, I I don't want to say this team is terrible. I don't think this team is good. And they they really didn't do themselves any favors with this schedule. Um, I don't – I see them beating Colorado. I see them beating – and then you got other games that are toss-ups, man. I mean, 
Again, this is a tough schedule. I think at Washington is going to be a toss-up. I think Washington, though, it's at home. Arizona State, you get at home, maybe, probably not. Washington State, maybe, I don't know. But I think your only your only definite win now. Oh, wait, no, Colorado's not even on their schedule. What am I talking about? Yeah, Colorado's not even on their schedule. So, like, I don't know, maybe Cal. I don't know. This, this schedule's tough. I don't envy Stanford right now, but who knows? David Shaw, I hope he has something up his sleeve. And you never know. I mean, I, I think David Shaw's a good coach, but we'll go ahead and move on to UCLA, uh, the Bruins, uh, who I think have kind of been a weird program in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, they beat LSU last year, and, I mean, that kind of – launched the expectations for UCLA mm-hmm. into the stratosphere. Obviously, they didn't end up uh, capitalizing on that completely. But, I mean, it was a respectable year uh, for the Bruins, 8-4. and four, You know, not great, not terrible. Uh, I think that's about where that program is normally. Mm-hmm. Obviously, with Chip Kelly there, I think they expect more. Uh, and we'll see what they're able to accomplish this year. Uh, a very, very easy non-conference schedule. For the Bruins. Yeah. Uh, Bowling Green and Alabama State and South Alabama. Uh, so you get one of the weaker teams in the MAC, an FCS program, and uh, one of the weaker teams in the Sun Belt. Uh, I think, uh, or sorry, South Alabama Sun Belt or, or South uh, Alabama? Conference USA? South Alabama is Conference USA. Okay. Uh, so one of the weaker programs in Conference USA. Darn it, uh, I'm wrong. It's Sunbelt. Okay, Sunbelt. I was right the first time. I shouldn't have second-guessed myself. Folks, that's why you always got to have confidence in your words. Uh, and it's You look at this program, and I still think they're probably a third in the, in the Pac-12 South at best. Uh, I don't think they beat Utah, and I don't think they beat USC. Uh, every other game on their schedule, with the exception of, of Oregon, I think is winnable. Uh, Oregon on the road at Oregon. It's going to be tough. interesting to see Chip yep. Kelly back up there, though. I think he will have the team up for that. Uh, it's just this is definitely a bowl team in my mind. I just think there's too much for them to get past in the in the Pac-12 South at the top end uh, to do anything more than that. Yeah, you know, it's it's a little surprising that Chip Kelly and the Bruins last year went eight and four. And if you looked at that on paper, you would say, okay, that's a solid year. But I think there were a little higher expectations last year for UCLA. And that 8-4, and four, even though it was okay, uh, I, I think a lot of people believe that they didn't meet their expectations. Um, you know, and, and listen, for, the, for UCLA to kind of take the next step, it's what a lot of programs have to do to take the next step. And that is the offensive line needs to be better. Um, you know, they have, they also have to replace a really good tight end in Dolchich. Um, I think they have a young tight end. That's going to be a household name in a year or two, Jake, or sorry, uh, Jack Peterson. And now, and you also have Dorian Thompson Robinson, and that is his team. The team will go where he goes, but he needs help on that offensive line. He really needs help. And I do think I like Dorian Thompson Robinson a lot. Uh, 
I think he's a great player. But again, there's just too many question marks for me uh, to have them above uh, more than like a second tier bowl. I mean, USC yeah. and and Utah just have so many more pieces. Uh, speaking of well, USC, okay. Wait, wait, one second. I do have something to say. Watch out for the Murphy Twins out of North Texas. They went to UCLA, pair of linebackers. I, I'm i telling you, watch out for those Murphy Twins. They're going to be talking about them all the time on Pac-12 After Dark. Now, this is, I think, a solid bowl team, but here's the thing. They're going to go 8-4 and four again. UCLA is going to go 8-4 and four again, okay? They're going to lose to Oregon, Utah, USC, and then someone's going to upset them. But they're going to be one, two, three, four, five. They're going to be five and zero oh when Utah comes to town, and that's going to be an interesting matchup. That might be a sneaky college game day there to go into UCLA because they're going to be undefeated. I think when Utah comes to town, but I think this is a solid bowl team. I think they go eight and four. All right, I'm ready now. <laughs> USC. Uh, the Trojans, obviously, one of the bigger story. Act, scratch Probably that. The, the Two of the biggest storylines of the offseason, Lincoln Riley and the conference realignment deal, uh, are probably the two biggest stories of uh, this offseason. And then you sprinkle some uh, Jordan Addison leaving Pitt to USC, too. Exactly. Uh, so there's a lot uh, of Caleb hype. Caleb Williams also left with him. Yep. <laughs> yeah. A lot of hype around this USC program, and for good reason. There is a lot of talent there. Uh, the offensive line is still a huge question mark. Uh, defensive line really as well. Uh, the, the trenches have been a struggle for USC recently. Now, with that being said, I just don't see any way this program is finishes worse than second in the, in the Pac-12 South. Uh, I do think that Utah will end up being the team that wins the Pac-12 South, and we'll get into that later, uh, mostly because USC has to play them on the road. Uh, but everything on the schedule is winnable. You, you start the game with, uh, or you start the season with my Rice Owls. Uh, Your going. Rice Owls, exactly. My Rice Owls. I don't know if you saw that. I've adopted. I them did. As my... You've adopted them. I saw that. And you know uh, what, Jay? You know what, Jay? I'm gonna join you. I am gonna join you with the Rice Owls. I might go on uh, one of those uh, home, maybe home field, and. Uh, Home, see that home field. If home field, if you're listening, I shop. Where you shop uh, <laughs> send some things my way. They, uh, they've already paid for my tattoo, so there's. I might. There's that. I might go on home field and get a uh, get a rice shirt and to uh, support to support the cause. You also you also get uh, some sweet Penn State gear. I don't know if you oh, saw that announcement that this week. Oh, I know that dropped so it, on Sunday. Oh, it's going to be great! I'm going to spend so, so much money. So whenever uh, this big new Saturday comes up and they release the entire Penn State line, mm-hmm. uh, it is going to be quite a bit of money. I think Penn State has a good chance to to get into the top ranking spot of uh, all time for big new Saturdays. They've been waiting for this for a while. Penn State Twitter, early someone someone let it leak that, hey, big announcement later on today. And all the Penn State fans are home field. Is this the home field? Is this the home field? So – I think, yeah, I think Penn State fans are going to be pretty excited. <laughs> but we, we digress. Yeah. Uh, our, our, our Rice Owls uh, 
Our uh, as much as we support them, are probably not going to be able to beat USC on the road. No. Uh, they do get, I think the biggest test of the year isn't Stanford early in the season. I think it's Fresno State early in the season for the mm-hmm. Trojans. Uh, so we'll see what happens. And then you got a very tough road game at Oregon State. We we talked about how good Oregon State was undefeated last year at home. That's yeah. another big test. Uh, and then you get kind of a break with Arizona State and Washington State. Well, Washington State not so much, but Arizona State's a, a nice little breather of a game. Uh, Utah, though, at Utah, that's going to be, I think, the game of the Pac-12 this year. Uh and then you look down the schedule, closing at UCLA at the Rose Bowl, and then hosting Notre Dame. Those are two tough games to close out the season. It will Georgia's. be, yes, yeah. Uh, but again, I think with with Lincoln Riley, the new offense, uh, Addison coming in, Caleb Young coming in, it's just it is a very good program. I just think they need another year to really build to get there, uh, and. They just they haven't had time to shore up the the issues in the trenches yet. Uh, so yeah. I see them I see them as a top tier bowl contender, second in the Pac-12 South, uh, but but not quite able to get over the Utah hump. Yeah. Um, listen, Lincoln Riley is finally home. He is going to dominate recruiting in California. I think this is a perfect fit for him, um, especially in a place that. Um, isn't you get all of the rewards of being really good, but you have none of the pressure if you underperform because let's face it. West coast fans aren't as rabid as they are in the Midwest, in the, in the Northeast and in the South. They're not, they're just not. So I think he's not going to have people breathing down his neck. And if he goes nine wins, 10 wins, everyone's going to say, Hey, that's really good. And at Oklahoma where he was, it was, why can't you win a playoff game? Yep. Um, so I think that right there, I, I think he, he's in a perfect situation. Um, listen, USC was on a downward trajectory after 2017. I mean, they got their asses kicked by Ohio State in, a, and I believe, uh, the Sugar Bowl. And I, they haven't been – they weren't the same since. So how about this? Where, where would you rank – Last year, Jay, um, USC offensively. Oh, man, I mean, they were near the bottom of the conference, uh, yeah. and near the bottom of the country, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's tough. I, I, are you asking me for like the number they were in the country? No, 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 no. no. I, I want okay. Last year in the Pac-12, if you were to rank. Last year, total offense. Where do you think the USC Trojans were? I I would say ninth. You would say ninth. They were number one. I was shocked too when I read it. They were the best tech by statistics. They were the best offense in the Pac-12, and they get Jordan Addison and they get Caleb Williams and they get Lincoln Riley and they have Lincoln Riley as an offensive mind. Okay, Taj. You got Taj Washington. Okay. You have Malcolm Epps. You have a running back, Travis Dye. This offense, skill position wise, is going to be really good. The offensive line isn't. That is going to be their problem. 
The thing is, Caleb Williams can turn it into a scramble drill and still make things happen. He can. He can. But the thing is, what's going to happen when USC is up four with three minutes to go and they got to sit on the ball? And I think that is where Utah and I think that is where Oregon and those where those teams are better. Now, thankfully, thankfully, they don't have to – I believe I'm just double checking. Yeah, they don't have to play Oregon. Okay. But that's how Utah is going to get this team. This offense is going to be really good, or at least a, at least really fun to watch. The problem is the offensive line needs to get it together. The other problem is the defense. Okay. I mean, I think these are going to be games that are going to, these are going to be classic shootouts. It's like, like the, like the big 12, the big 12 is and, and used to be. Um, listen, Utah has the edge. Just because of offensive line playing in the trenches, USC has to figure it out on defense. They get Alex Grinch, who Alex Grinch might be the guy to turn around the the USC defense. But I see this as a nine win, possibly I think ten win team that's going to be flirting with a New Year's Six Bowl. And now we'll move on to the team that. Uh... I think we agreed yeah. that is likely to win the the Pac-12 mm-hmm. South. Uh, the Utah Utes, uh, very very strong stroke, strong program, uh, fantastic defensive team. They play great assignment football, and they have a quarterback in Cameron Rising who has a lot of hype around him. Uh, you, you look at the first game of the season; that's going to be a very tough test. I realize that Florida was a bad program last year, but Dan Mullen's out. You know, Billy Napier's in. And you're playing in the swamp early in the year, so it is going to be very humid, very hot in Gainesville, Florida. That's going to be a tough test for the Utes. Uh, and you know, even with all the things that we've said about Florida not being a, a good program last year, uh, it's one of those teams where the talent is always there. They're always recruiting well uh, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that'll be a tough test, and we'll see where this Utah team stands nationally. Uh, San Diego State, another good test, uh, just to see you know how how far ahead they are of of a team that's you know a tough Mountain West team. I don't see them having much trouble uh, through the early part of their schedule. Uh, I just think they're a better team than UCLA, and their defense is going to give uh, Dorian Thompson Robson fits, uh, especially because of the the weaknesses along the offensive line that UCLA has very similar story for USC. The, I think that Oregon game late in the season is when you have to circle. I also think that Washington state game could be a bit of a trap game coming off of a bye. Uh, you know, you have that big game against USC, you have a bye, then you go to Washington state and Pullman is a place where tricky things happen. It's a 10 PM kick. Uh, obviously that's, let's see here do some math i think that's seven uh pacific time but uh regardless it's it's still a very very tricky road game for the utes uh with that being said i think this is easily the best team in the pac-12 south uh usc can probably give them a run for their money and usc is probably better at skill positions but Mm -hmm. all around uh, i think utah is a more cohesive unit i see them going to the pac-12 championship uh, it'll be one of those deals where they get Oregon twice again. Uh, but I have Utah as a New Year's six team in 2022. 
Okay. All right. Um, so I'm going to back you there. I, I do think this is a New Year's Six team. I'm a believer in the Utes. Kyle Winningham has finally put it all together with this program. Cameron Rising, uh, probably one of the best names in college football. Um, he's going to be back. Listen, this is a this is a good old offensive line, which I've said before is going to give them the edge over USC. Solid receiving core, two great tight ends in Kuth and Kinade. Uh, Kincaid? Kincaid or Kinade? I think it's Kincaid. Kincaid. Um, one weakness, though, they lose some guys to the NFL, their pass rush. Um, if they can get their pass rush back, they have two massive behemoth men in the middle, uh, Tafunu and Tafazi, um, big impact impact player at corner, Clark Phillips. You're going to remember that name on Sundays, I'm telling you right now. Um, here's the deal. Utah's going to go to Oregon, and they're going to lose in the Autzen Zoo. And then they're going to play on a neutral site field and call in and Utah's going to beat them. That's what's going to happen. Utah is going to win the South. Oregon will win the North. Oregon will beat Utah first, and then Utah beats them in the Pac-12 championship because that's how it happens. Yeah, I'm. I'm mostly upset that we get no Holy War this year. No, no Utah BYU game. You know what? I am too. And the thing is, BYU already plays like what two. Pac-12 teams this year, you mm-hmm. know, and they're kind of like the, the, I don't want to say they're like Notre Dame to the ACC, but they're kind of just like, hey, we'll, we'll play as every once in a while, you know, and yeah, it is a little disappointing we don't get a whole lot more. You know, Colorado and Utah play each other at the end of the year. That's like kind of, I don't know, that's kind of weird. I mean, they're, they're trying to make that a thing, but it, no, it just hasn't taken off. Uh, uh, but how, it was a great team, a uh, great Great year for this team last year, and I think they're just yeah. going to build off of it. I mean, they had that Rose Bowl against Ohio State won. Uh, yeah, and, was... what a what a game that was! No defense in that one. No, no. defense in that no, one. No, no, no. Ohio State's offense bailed them out there. Um, yeah, it's but no, I Kyle Winningham, man, it finally like he, he put it all. He finally put it all together. Uh, good for him. Utah, man, always that sneaky programs, very sneaky program, and they're finally, they're finally. Um, finally put it all together. Didn't Utah? Well, they did beat Alabama, right? Uh, I think so. Early on in oh, Nick Saban's tenure, oh seven. I'm gonna say oh seven or oh eight, eight. Mm, oh eight, somewhere oh around nine, there. Somewhere around. Yeah, I'm just gonna say. I remember Utah did beat them. That was with, with Harbaugh, right? No. Who's the coach at Utah? Whittingham was the coach. He's been there since 2005. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So Whittingham was the coach. I'm thinking of something else. I was thinking of Jim Harbaugh or something like that. No, I'm thinking of Jim Harbaugh at Stanford. Um, all right. The Washingtons. We're going to Apple Cup country. Apple Cup, baby. Uh, let's start with the Huskies first. So I know that you said that you're not high on this team. Uh, I'm not. And I, I, I definitely understand why. There, there's not a lot coming back. It's a new coach coming in. Uh, Kalen DeBoer from Fresno State, who I think is going to do great things at this program. Obviously, Jimmy Lake was kind of like uh, Chris Peterson's handpicked successor. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody expected things to go wrong as quickly as they went wrong no, for the Huskies. I didn't. Uh, but obviously, they've turned over a new leaf. We'll see what happens. Four and eight last year, and that was a huge disappointment for this program. You start off with a loss to Montana, 
uh, who admittedly is a great FCS program, but still, if you're going to be playing you're Washington, yeah, you're Washington. So this year, you, you get Kent State started out. You get Portland State. Those are two very, very winnable games. Uh, then you get Michigan State, who I think they can give them trouble just because of a little bit of the jet lag of Michigan State heading west. I, I just I think Michigan State's a better program than them right now. I think it'll take time for, for DeBoer to get his guys going. I see Washington as about third or fourth in the Pac-12 North pecking order. Uh, it's going to be kind of a, a dogfight between uh, Oregon State, Washington, and Washington State in that tier below Oregon, in my mind. Uh, I think Washington is probably the worst out of those three teams mm-hmm. right now, just because I think it'll take time for uh, DeBoer to really get the machine running again. Uh, so I, I have them as a bowl team, but part of that is because they get Arizona and Arizona State out of the South, and those should be two easy ones for that program in spite of the fact that Washington didn't look good last year. I don't think Arizona State's going to be an easy win unless unless the team just tank. Uh, again, unless there is a dumpster fire there and the team implodes. I mean, that game is in Tempe. I, I really do see that team imploding. <laughs> They've been holding on for so long. Like, like even last year, what do they have? Seven wins last year? Like, it wasn't terrible. No, like, they were respectable. But the thing is, like, is this team gonna like when? It, when is this team gonna explode? Like, you're just waiting. I mean, Arizona State was eight and five last year. So, yeah, exactly. Like, they went eight and five. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, you hear all this turmoil about Arizona State, but like, all it. Is it a dumpster fire? Like, is this team going to implode? And we're all waiting for it to happen. But Washington State did implode last year. That was bad. Um, like you said, I don't think any of us thought that uh, this was going to turn the way it did. Um, I don't know. This was probably one of the trickier teams to kind of figure out in the whole conference. Um, listen, I-, I was reading articles. Uh, I kept reading about the, how they have playmakers on offense. Where? Where are the playmakers on offense? Because their offense was awful last year. It wasn't good. Some credit goes to John Donovan for that. I have no idea how he had a job in Power 5 still. But anyway, I digress. Um, I think defensively this unit is still good. Um, Carson Bruner, a great linebacker right in the middle. Ed Rusher, Zion Tupolo. Tupolo, sorry. Um, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to like really pick up the load. Um you know, for that pass rush Um, question marks are at corners after the loss of McDuffie and Gordon. Those are two really good corners that they have to replace. I don't know. I think the defense is still going to be solid. I have no idea what's going to happen with the offense. And again, if this offense just moves the football and they just keep it consistent, they just have to be average. If this offense is average, I think this team makes a bowl game. I do think Washington, I think they get the six and six. Just look at Kent State, Portland State. They're not beating Sparty. I they're better than Stanford. That that's three. Better than Arizona, four. I think Cal five. Colorado six. I think those are your six wins right there. Yeah. And obviously it's it's luck of the draw getting three of the four 
uh, three of your four Pac-12 South games are, are the worst team in the conference. And yeah, they uh, good job, good job. Yeah. Um. All right, the Cougars and Pullman, Jay. What we got? So, what a wild year 2021 was for the Cougars. Uh, Nick Rolovich starts the year as the head coach, and there's some off the field stuff that kind of rolled into also some some bad on-field performance to start the year and washington state decides to uh move on from uh rolovich as the head coach of that program uh then you know washington state closes the year pretty darn strong uh you know obviously the the loss to oregon and loss to byu byu again we've talked about them they were basically the pac-12 champion last year Let's be honest here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they lose at Oregon, but, you know, it's a two-score game. It's not a terrible, terrible loss. Uh, wins at Arizona State, beat Arizona, and then absolutely destroyed Washington in the Apple Cup at Washington. Uh, I think this Washington State team is a good team. Uh, you know, looking at their schedule, it's going to be interesting to see what they're able to do uh, I, I don't see them beating Wisconsin on the road. No. Uh, I think that Colorado State game, it, I can't tell you why I'm so high on Colorado State. Uh, I, I think I, I – It's I the just, Mountain West. Yeah, so, it's the Mountain West. You know what? You have Mountain West bias. I, I do have Mountain West bias. that has Mountain West bias. <laughs> I mean, there's worse places to have bias for. Uh, Very but, true. You know, so you're looking at – Probably two wins to start the season if they're able to to pull off the win against uh, Colorado State. But looking at this team, like they get some tough games at home, right? So you have you have Oregon coming to Pullman, you have Utah coming to Pullman. Uh, now they did get a little bit of a bad draw out of the the Pac-12 South with USC and Utah both being on the schedule. But mm-hmm. I think this is a bowl team. Uh, I think they're the better of the two programs in the state of Washington. Uh, I, I think you'll see them. Uh, you know, they won't. They'll probably knock off somebody at some point during the season because that's kind of what Washington State does. You know, somebody goes into Pullman unsuspecting and, and they pull off that Pac-12 after dark upset. Uh, so I, I expect them to do that to at least somebody once this year, uh, and they'll find their way into a bowl game. Okay, so I think this is a bowl team. I think we're looking at six wins. I think we might get to seven, depending on if Washington State can be either Oregon State or um, Arizona State. Here's the thing, though, Jay. So they removed the the interim tag from Digger. This team gave up 31 sacks last year. Okay, that's a lot. And the Pac-12 ain't ain't a ain't a defensive conference. Okay, yeah. we we know this. It, and the other thing is, I I disagree. I don't think this team is a quote-unquote good team. I just think the Pac-12 bottom is so bad that this team, that this team sneaks into a bowl game. I don't think they're a good team. I think they're a very scrappy team. Uh, okay. I think they're kind I'll of playing with a, with a chip on their shoulder I give you after that. kind of everything that happened with the program mm-hmm. last year. And we'll see if Dickert's able to, to keep that momentum mm-hmm. going. I'll say this. I think they win the Apple Cup again. Okay. They'll be Arizona. But again, Arizona might be truffy, uh, tricky because in Arizona and towards the end of the year, that Arizona. Yeah, second to last game of the year. 
It's gonna be it's gonna be a challenge, but I think they're better than Arizona. I'll mark that down as a win. Better than Stanford. All right. Um, I think they're better than Cal. That's four, and then Colorado State and Idaho. So six wins. Those those are gonna be your six wins. They might get the seven. If see, they, I think if, they beat Arizona State, but so yeah, uh, you're, we have we have differing opinions on what's gonna happen to Arizona State. I don't know. I don't know. Um, again, on the one hand, Arizona State, I'm like, well, on paper, they they still look good. They've had decent seasons, but if you read non football articles, there or not football directly football related on the field, I mean, you'd swear it was the wild, wild west going on there. And like uh, things are on, everything's on fire, which it could be. So that's the thing. If Arizona state implodes, I think that puts Washington state at seven wins. And again, I don't think this is that good of a team, but I think they're going to beat the bottom half of the entire conference. Yeah. Yeah, So we, we talked about the pac 12 and I mean, so I think Utah is my pac 12 champion. Same. All right. I, yep. Uh, an Oregon from the north. Yep. So, are you with me on Oregon beats Utah, and then they play again in the championship, and Utah wins? That's that's how I see the season shaking out. That's how I feel too. That's how I feel too. And uh, again, I think Utah in the trenches is better than USC, and that's what it's going to come down to with those two teams. And I just think Utah is just collectively better. And then I just uh, think Oregon in the North, it's just uh, is there's just not going to be too much competition for them up there. No, absolutely not. Nope. Okay, so that is our Pac-12 breakdown, and we are going to end with a top five here. And because we talked about the Pac-12, and because UCLA and USC will be – Soon moving to the Big Ten, they're not going to belong in that conference. Traditional Midwestern powerhouses from California. Yeah, I, I did see a meme. It was a um, it was a college girl, and she had a sign uh, outside of UCLA, and it said, "If this is Big Ten country, then where's all the bush light?" <laughs> I think the funniest thing I've seen is that, and I can't remember if we've talked. I think we talked about it in the conference realignment episode, but. Uh, that this is a ploy by California to steal water from the Great Lakes in order, <laughs> in order yeah. to, to solve their water issues yeah. out there. My other question is, will U, UCLA and UCLA, or sorry, UCLA and USC, must both, their fan bases, must buy striped overalls, okay? You are not truly accepted into the Big Ten unless your fans by striped overalls. I fully believe that. Yeah. So, I mean, and they'd be perfect for the cannabis farms out in, in California. Oh, it would be, it'd be amazing. The problem <laughs> is, here's the problem they have to run into. Fans have to actually go to the stadium for us to see the striped overalls. <laughs> so hopefully uh, that fixes it. Probably won't, but whatever. We digress. So in fun of that, we're going to give a top five for programs that we feel don't belong in their conference. Okay. So Jay, kick us off with your number five. I have a feeling we, we're going to have, I, I believe a lot of the same teams because we talk about it a lot, but give, yeah, me, give me your five. I think it's going to be one of your favorite programs in all college football is my number five. Uh, and that's going to be Maryland. <laughs> oh, Maryland, the Terps. 
So this is a Big Ten team that is actually an ACC team. I think we all know that Maryland yep. is actually an ACC team. Crab cakes and football may be what Maryland does, just not in the Big Ten. Uh, I just, this one, I still half, half the time think that Maryland is in the ACC. Like there's something in the back of my head that's just like, oh, yeah, Maryland, uh, you know, they could be decent in the ACC. Oh, wait, they're, they're in the Big Ten East. So I, I think Maryland is, and they could be higher on my list, but for for now I have them at my number five. So here's the thing: Maryland 100% deserves to be in the ACC. They they should be playing Pitt and Boston College, and they should be playing Virginia and Virginia Tech. That's who I feel like they should be playing. But I'm warming up to them a little bit. I still don't like them. I still think they're they're they're. Uniforms are atrocious, and they look like cartoon characters. And you hate that state flag. I hate it. They put it on everything. Um, but here's the thing. Football, they're, they're okay in football, okay? They're, they're a six-win, seven-win team, and they're scrappy. Um, basket, they're, they're, they're a basketball school, even though they haven't been that great in basketball the last two, three years. But they bring something to the table, Okay. Unlike another team that I will be mentioning later I think on. I'm also going to be mentioning that team later okay. on. But <laughs> Maryland brings something to the table. Their women's sports are really good. You know, They bring something to the table. They're a pretty good lacrosse Unlike, program too, I think. Yes, they do. Really good lacrosse program. And again, they're a basketball school. People show up to their basketball games. That whole thing. But unlike someone else, which I will get to later... I, can't, now, I, think, I think I will too. <laughs> number five, though, for me, is I think, yeah, the only blue blood on this list. Okay. Nebraska. Originally, I thought this can work. Nebraska kind of works like a Big Ten team in the Big 12. But as time has gone on, Nebraska lost their Texas pool. They lost all like a lot. They lost a lot of those recruiting hotbeds because they don't play there anymore. And I just think now, when I look at Nebraska, they are not the same Nebraska team I w- I was looking at ten years ago. And they desperately need the Big Twelve and playing can- the Kansas schools and Oklahoma and Texas. Well, again, Texas and Oklahoma are leaving, but. They, I think, when they joined the Big Ten again, Iowa because they're right there. I know we had Jeff on last week. He he doesn't like Nebraska. I don't. I think that became kind of a rivalry. They 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 put a rivalry with Minnesota. They gave him a trophy because we give out rivalry trophies in the Big Ten like they're candy. Um, <laughs> well, nothing should, will ever have anything on civil conflict. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't on that level, but still, like. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like Nebraska, they're close to Iowa. But I just feel like that they should be playing the Kansas schools and the Oklahomas and the Texases. I I definitely understand that. I I just think that from a cultural standpoint, it makes sense for Nebraska to be in the Big Ten. I think they culturally fit within the conference, especially the Big Ten West, Mm -hmm. uh, more than than some of the ones that I have on my list. and, and speaking of teams that left the Big 12 for greener pastures, uh, my number four on the list is Mizzou. Oh. So, is there, 
this early. Okay. Yeah. I have Mizzou at number four on this list. Uh, obviously, I think the Big 12 was perfect. And all the things that you said about Nebraska playing the Kansas schools, I think that applies to Mizzou even more so. I mean, the border war was a great rivalry between two teams that tended to be near the bottom of the conference in football. Mm-hmm. Uh with the exception of that magical year when Mizzou and Kansas were both fantastic, Chase Daniel and Todd Reesing, uh, yes. just leading those programs to uh, uh, destinations time. that they had never been to. Was before. it 07? 07. I, I believe it was the 07. Crazy, season, the craziest was, year of college football. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I just think, you know, Mizzou was great when they first got to the SEC. Obviously, they go to the SEC championship uh, early on in their, in their tenure in the conference. Uh, but the wheels have really fallen off that program since then. Uh, they don't have much of an identity anymore in the conference. You know, it was whenever they first got there, there was kind of a, a stigma about their defense. Obviously you had guys like Michael Sam. They were great at rushing the passer yeah. that has kind of gone away. Uh, Drinkwitz is more of an offensive guy. So we'll see, you know, maybe they get something going up there, but I just don't have a lot of confidence in Mizzou. Uh, especially with OU and Texas coming back into the conference. Oh, yeah. Um, so I honestly think like going back to the Big 12 wouldn't be a terrible thing for them. That's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I, I just think from a cultural standpoint, they're also just – they don't feel like SEC fans. And I hate to say that to them, but there's mm-hmm. just something about Mizzou that just kind of feels out of place. No, yeah, and I think Missouri fans will say that too, that they feel out of place in the SEC. Um, we'll uh, – I have – We'll talk more about Mizzou a little bit later. Going to put them on the back burner. Um, so this is another big former Big Twelve school, uh, Colorado. Um, now listen, I know they have Utah now, okay, in the north, and there are some northern Pac twelve teams. But man, Colorado versus Nebraska—that man on on Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving—that used to be awesome. That used to be a cool. Um, game to watch, and again, I think I think Colorado misses out on that that long lasting tradition. I I forget sometimes that they're in the Pac-12. I think it sometimes looks weird. I'm still getting used to it. Um, so again, it's not the worst one in the world, but I, I just think Colorado in the Big Twelve though just made so much more sense. Yeah, uh, I, I kind of agree with you on that one. It, it's one where I'm just kind of like, whatever. I, I like, and then like, there could be something to like a four corner series with Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, and Colorado. Yeah. But I think all of those teams, honestly, I think all of those teams would fit better in the Big 12 anyway. Uh, so not just Colorado. I think Utah and Arizona, Arizona State could all fit a little bit better in the Big 12. Uh, might be especially with a school like Texas Tech. But my number three, and I think this is where we're going to have a big difference in opinion, Georgia Tech and the ACC. I think Georgia Tech should be an SEC school. Obviously, I understand all of the issues behind Georgia Tech leaving the conference, but, I mean, you look at the history they have, uh, not just with Georgia, but with Atlanta or uh, with Auburn. Uh, there's, there's, I mean, Georgia tech was in the the Southeastern conference for so long. Obviously they value their academics more than some of the members of the sec, but the sec championship is played in Atlanta. Atlanta is such a hub 
for the conference, and yet Georgia the Power Texas. Five team that's in yeah. Atlanta is in the ACC. That's so great. for me, like, and Georgia Tech fans are probably going to disagree with me. I'm probably going to be the only one that says this. I think Georgia Tech is an SEC program in the ACC. I tell you what, now that you said it, now that you said it, it makes total sense. They had uh, the the rivalry with Auburn wasn't like the dark. Um, what the what's the rivalry called? It's let me look it up here. Look that up. Um, but no, I, I I totally can see that. And yeah, they were a long time SEC. They were a long time SEC team. Um, again, they left. Again, it's that pettiness between rivals of them taking my ball and going home type of thing. Um, but Jay, isn't it called like the the South's oldest, what's the South's oldest rivalry? So I think the deep South's oldest rivalry is, I think the deep South's oldest rivalry is Georgia and Auburn. Clean okay. old fashioned hate is Georgia, is Georgia, Georgia, Tech. Georgia Tech. Right. I don't right. know that the Auburn Georgia Tech game has a rivalry, have, but I'm going to try okay. to find out. So it was Georgia. It was it's, Georgia. It's, I'm, it's I'm a rivalry it. because Auburn has, I mean, these teams have played each other. Right. It's, it's 47, 41 and four. Mm-hmm. In the all-time record, so these teams have played each other for a long time. I was thinking of the deep south, the deep south's oldest rivalry, and that's Georgia. I was thinking that one. That's Georgia and Auburn. Um, no, that's no. I think that's a good. That's a good pick, Jay. That's a salt. That's a really good pick. I, I I'm interested to see what. Okay, no, no, no. So it is called the deep south's oldest rivalry. What Georgia, Georgia Tech? No, no, no. Auburn? Never mind. Never mind. That's Auburn, Georgia. I don't know why it just pulled this up on me. Darn it. I thought I was right about something. No. Nope. <laughs> um, I'm interested to see what some of the people have to say about uh, Georgia Tech kind of being out of place. I, I think that's probably going to be one that a lot of people don't agree with, but I'm okay with, with being in the minority of that. I also just I, I kind of have sense. a soft spot for Georgia Tech because we, we practiced at their facilities during our 2013 uh, Chick-fil-A Bowl prep. Oh, nice. Very cool. Uh-huh. Um. All right, my number three. Kick them out of the Big Ten. Rutgers. They bring nothing to the table. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Maybe a wrestler every once in a while. Maybe a wrestler. And now I know everyone's going to say, but Jake, their basketball team was pretty good last year. They're going to be good this year. Okay, they're going to be good in basketball for two or three years. And then they're going to suck like they do in every other sport that they put out there. (laughs) Kick them out of the Big Ten. New York media, my ass. No one cares about Rutgers in New York. It was ridiculous to begin with. Kick them out. I'm sick of them. (laughs) I think the Sopranos are probably going to make a call to you at some point, but uh, I I don't disagree with you. Uh, And I'll I'll talk about that, uh, that one as well. But my number two is West Virginia in the Big 12. I think West Virginia should be in the ACC playing Pitt backyard brawl, playing Virginia Tech for the Black Diamond Trophy. This isn't one of those wheels where, like, I mean, I would be happy to have West Virginia in the SEC. I wouldn't mind that at all. Let's make West Virginia and Kentucky a rivalry. But I think the ACC is the natural fit there. Uh, It's just, man... I just don't love West Virginia in the Big 12 at all. 
I I, I like again. I like West Virginia's program. I don't think West Virginia fans are happy there. I don't think the teams they play are happy there. There's just so many things that feel off about West Virginia in the Big Twelve, and I, I would love uh, to see them go to the ACC and and have that Virginia Tech rivalry renewed on a yearly basis, and have that rivalry with Pittsburgh renewed on a yearly basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one is one where I have very strong feelings about the fact that. West Virginia is missing out on some some really awesome rivalry contests uh, that have been ruined by conference realignment. I agree with everything you said, and I'm I'm holding that one for a bit. <laughs> so my number two is Missouri. It's Mizzou. Did it ever look good? Did Missouri, the SEC, did it ever look good? Like, okay, it did Ar- in 2013, and that's about okay, it. Okay, they got Arkansas. Okay, yeah, they play Arkansas. That's okay. That's your, that's your rival, and didn't I think they may have played each other in the old? Um, did they used to play each other in the old Big Eight days? No, because uh, Arkansas was the Southwest Conference team. Oh, that's right, they were in the Southwest Conference. Okay, so again, you, you, you kind of get a, a natural rival with Arkansas, but other than that, with OU coming into the conference, there's at least somebody that's that's right. a historical rival. OU in Texas, obviously will OU. Help OU has kind of dominated that rivalry in the past, so there is yeah. kind of like, you know. But I just, I don't know. I just, Missouri just doesn't, it, it just, it never felt right. It yeah. honestly, it never felt right. They deserve, they should be in the Big 12. Colorado should be in the Big 12. Nebraska should be in the Big 12. And, you know, now I think if they stuck in the Big 12 and Texas and Oklahoma left, they may have had a chance to, to keep the Big Twelve alive, yeah. But right now, it's not looking good. And I, mean, I, I can't blame to... for any of those teams for leaving, given what you know Texas was doing with the Longhorn Network and everything. Oh yeah. Uh, but it, it's just, the SEC yep. just wasn't a great fit. And and we can't blame Missouri also because when like when we just found out about how much more SEC teams get paid. And Big Ten teams get paid more than big the Big Twelve. Yeah, I don't blame them either. Yep. I'll go so I'll go somewhere else and get my ass kicked if I'm making yep. thir- the thir- <laughs> or three times as much money. You know, so yeah, Mizzou. I will say this: Missouri and Colorado are kind of the same. Like they kind of look the same to me, but I think Colorado fans care more about their football and sports than Missouri. I think Missouri's I, I, more of a Chiefs of a, of, a, of a pro city, and you that got makes Col- sense. And, you have, and you got Fols- Folsom Field, Boulder. Yeah, you got the Rockies, you got the Broncos, but I just think that Missouri's more your pro athletics. Colorado, I think, really dives into the college sports. Um, so your number one, uh, my number yeah. one is Rutgers. Yeah, so here's Kick what I'll out. Put. Here's what I'll put on here. For each team, I, I put to the conference they're in now and the conference that they should be in. For Maryland, I have Big Ten to ACC. For Mizzou, SEC to Big 12. Georgia Tech, ACC to SEC. West Virginia, Big 12 to ACC. Please say what I think you're going to say. For say Rutgers, it. I have Big Ten to American. Yes, that's all. Yes, exactly. I just, there's, you you hit all the points. There's just... This isn't a Power 5 program. There's nothing about them that screams Power 5 program. I mean, there was the craze about television markets 
uh, in that you know crazy time realignment in 2011. But that has kind of gone away now. People aren't as crazy about television markets anymore. And Rutgers just—you said it—they bring nothing to the table, and I don't think they're a Power Five school. No, uh, which is why they're the only one of these five programs that I have on my list that I have as listed as going back to a non-Power Five conference. I just, yeah, it, they don't—they belong in the American. Do you, like when the Big East split apart? Okay, some of the Big East. Wait, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Some of the Big East went into the American. Rutgers. Yeah, you, had, you had South Florida, uh, I believe. Right. I mean, there was – It's it, it basically, was it was few. Big East and Conference USA came together. Uh, right. Or so a lot of Conference USA teams. Yeah, so you had Big Tulsa. Right here. Big East football 07. Which you was – USF. You had UConn. Former former Big East champ UConn, by the way. Yeah. Um, West Virginia. Cincinnati. Cincinnati, who's still in the American. Well, West Virginia went to the big they, – they got cut out of the ACC. Um, you know, and then Syracuse got picked up by the ACC because of their basketball. Yeah. Now, Rutgers should have went to the American. And guess what? If you're Rutgers, okay, you can get away with being in the American. You'll probably go to a bowl most of the time if you're Rutgers and you go into the American. But not anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like you like you're in the Big Ten. I'm trying to think of teams they've beaten in the Big Ten. Yeah. I mean I don't even I should have looked that up. Who have they beaten in the Big Ten? Maybe Maryland once or twice? I don't think they've ever beaten Michigan State. Michigan, they've never beaten Michigan, Penn State, or um, Ohio State. Let, let, me, like, let me look like, that up. Okay, but like, go from go from two thousand when they joined the conference. Let's see here, because I know Penn State lost to them in like eighty eight. I remember. Yeah, so they have. <laughs> here we go. Rutgers has wins over, and looks. Uh, so I'm trying to figure out when this is from. So historically all time, they have wins over Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, and Michigan State, and then Purdue. But obviously that's, that's not from, uh, from recent memory. So let me, let me try something else here. All right, Let's find out Rutgers, Scott Knights football. And we'll just start from. Crap on Rutgers Day. Yeah, um, this is sorry for uh, any Rutgers fans listening. We don't mean to. They're they're not here. Completely destroyed. They know better. They know better. Um, yeah. Okay, they beat they beat Illinois and Indiana last year. Okay, so they beat Illinois and Indiana. Let's see who else they've beaten. Twenty twenty was Purdue. COVID year. They beat Purdue and Maryland and Michigan Purdue. State. Actually, the they beat Michigan State in twenty twenty. In 2020. But that was COVID year, so... COVID year. Okay, Let's... here's another one. They No, they lost to everyone this year. That was In 2019, they 2019. lost everybody. 2018, their only win was against Texas, Texas State. State. They lost to Kansas that year, 55-14. to 14. That tells you how bad that program was. 
let's see. Oh, You're another gonna... win against Illinois, Purdue, and Maryland. All right. Poor Purdue. What's what's Purdue doing? Oh, God, man. I don't know. Nothing in uh in nothing in what nothing in Lafayette, man, makes sense. N- nothing. Okay. Uh, they have a win at Indiana in 2015. Okay. Let's see here. They've they've beaten more people than I so, thought. So so 2014 was a good year for Rutgers. Uh, they went eight and five, and they had wins over Michigan, Indiana, and Maryland. Wow, they did beat Michigan. We'll go back to 2013. And 2013, they were in the American. They should have stayed there. Yeah. But again, I think they screwed themselves going to the Big Ten. Like I understand. Again, they're gonna get. They're getting a lot of money to get their ass kicked. Okay. But like, so they haven't beaten Iowa. They haven't been in Iowa, Wisconsin. Northwestern, Nebraska, Penn State, Ohio State. And obviously there's there's the fact that they're not going to play, you know, all of the, the Big Ten West teams every year. And that's but, the thing, like Northwestern. Like they don't play Northwestern every year. Yeah. Um, they may have gotten crap draws and, and just haven't. But, like, I don't know. Those first couple years they were in it, those games against Penn State were close. Um, yeah, so that that 2014, their first year in the conference, they lost to Penn State 10 to 13. Uh, I think I was you know, there. That but was a out. It was. I mean, I I kind of want to see what happened to the 2014 Michigan team. That was so. They were five and seven. That was Brady Hoke. That was Brady Hoke's last year. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Um, all right, my number one. We'll stop the the Rutgers bashing. Um, <laughs> number one, Jay, you said it. It's West Virginia, man. And yeah. get, here's the thing. Uh, Big 12 fans. And I do want to clarify that this is not like Rutgers where we don't no. think that's, that's a program that's deserving no. of, of being in a Power 5 conference. West Virginia is just somebody that we think is a better cultural and rivalry fit for a different Absolutely. Power 5 conference. Absolutely. No, and honestly, I, we can say that about – Nebraska, I listen. Nebraska has taken their lumps, but guess what? Like, I'm okay with Nebraska being in the Big Ten because Nebraska is a blue, a historical blue blood program. Colorado is a decent program that I just don't think they're a great fit in the Pac-12. Um, Mizzou is isn't a great program. Let's be honest, but I think they would benefit from being in the Big Twelve. West Virginia is the same thing, only I think twice as much. Listen, Big 12 fans will tell you they love the culture of West Virginia, but they don't understand. But it just doesn't feel the same when they play them. Like, they don't feel like a West. There's respect, but it just doesn't feel like West Virginia is a Big 12 team. West Virginia fans will tell you the same thing. West Virginia fans want to be in the ACC where they can play Boston College, Syracuse, and Pitt every single year. And, and as a tech. Oh, Virginia Tech for the Black Diamond. And Virginia for that matter. Yeah. And I'll say it as a Big Ten fan. Listen, I would trade Rutgers for West Virginia in a freaking second. It would make the Big Ten East ten times harder. Would you trade would you trade Rutgers for Pitt? No. (laughs) No, I wouldn't. You know why? 
they can go to hell and burn. <laughs> I do think Pitt would be a better fit than Rutgers. They would be. They would be. I don't want them in. No. Sorry, I had to, I had to bring that up. No, screw them. <laughs> here's the thing. Like we laugh at like the bickering between like South Carolina and Clemson and Georgia and Georgia Tech and um, Louisville and Kentucky of like letting the other one in the SEC and they're going to A and M in Texas. A and M in Texas. Right. We laugh at that all the time. And guess what? Uh, Jay, I don't know what your feelings are about Texas joining. I think you're a historical – you're a you're a cultural guy, a historian. So I think you're love – I think you kind of like that Texas is coming in the SEC. So you have that rivalry. But my thing, no. Screw Pitt. They think they're elitists. They think they're better than anyone else to begin with. They don't – no. Screw them. Let them out to dry in, in the lesser conference of the ACC. <laughs> I would not trip. I would keep Rutgers. I would keep Rutgers in to spite Pitt. One hundred percent. One hundred percent will keep Rutgers to spite Pitt. Sorry, I distracted you from your West Virginia take. Yeah, so I would take West Virginia in a second in the Big Ten, and like I said, it would make the Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten East, you know, ten times harder than it is. But I think. With West Virginia, you at least have an older independent rivalry with with um, West Virginia and Penn State. Columbus is only three hours away. Um, so I think that right there, and plus with Maryland, that was kind of an old regional thing between those two schools. So I think it kind of rounds off the East, East a little bit better. Rutgers, no one cares. I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. I'm going to go. I'll probably go to the game next year. I'll go for $10. I'll show. I won't go. I won't. I won't have a ticket. I'll show up at the ticket call and say, "Hey, I would like. I would like to go to this game." Who knows? Maybe they'll give me my tickets because that's how much, um, you know, that's how much they need people to go to that um, stadium. But no, I would. So, Harry, we said something nice about Rutgers. I wouldn't trade Rutgers for Pitt in the Big Ten. <laughs> there it is. That's there something. Rutgers right fans. Um. Well, Jay. Another great episode. Um, next week, looking like we're going to have a group of five week next week. That should be something we should look forward to. We're going we're gonna to give our uh, favorites and our dark horses for all the power, or sorry, all the group of five uh, conferences. It should be a ton of fun. Um, thank you all for tuning in again. And as always, have a great week.